Remember the good old days before Microsoft Word had autosave? You'd type up some important document and then your computer would freeze and you'd lose hours of work just because you forgot to hit save? Well, that's what it's like going online without ExpressVPN. Every time you're connected to an unencrypted network, whether it's in an airport, a hotel, a cafe, or anywhere, your online data is not secure. Any person on that same network who knows what they're doing can gain access to your personal data. Bank logins, credit card details, passwords, all the stuff you don't want people seeing. Unfortunately, hacking has become much easier than it used to be. People don't even have to be exceptionally skilled to do it, and there's a lot of money to be made by selling your information on the dark web. ExpressVPN stops hackers from stealing your data by creating a secure, encrypted tunnel between your device and the internet. It's incredibly easy to use. Once the app is running, you literally click one button to get protected. And it works on your phone, laptop, tablet, and more, so you can stay protected on the go. I've been using ExpressVPN for a little while now, and I can rest easy knowing my info is safe and secure. I've heard horror stories of people who've been hacked, and it sounds like a massive pain to try to get any resolution in the aftermath, so I am not interested in finding out what that process is like. Secure your online data today by visiting expressvpn.com slash slashfilm. That's E-X-P-R-E-S-S-V-P-N dot com slash slashfilm, and you can get an extra three months free. expressvpn.com slash slashfilm. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Slash Film Daily for Friday, May 14th, 2021. On today's episode, we're going to discuss the latest film and TV news. This is Slash Film Editor-in-Chief Peter Soretta. And joining me on today's podcast is Slash Film Senior Writer Ben Pearson. Hey, what's going on? And writer Fly Tran Billy. Hey, everyone. Okay, let's start this off with a war of sorts. A war has broken out. Tom Cruise has found an adversary, and that adversary is Russia. Russia is going to war with Tom Cruise. HD, tell us about it. Yeah, it's a space race for a new age, and that space race is between Russia and Tom Cruise. Uh, Tom Cruise <laughs> last year um, already announced his intention to shoot the first movie in space. He was teaming up with NASA and Elon Musk SpaceX to shoot a movie on the International Space Station. And um, we haven't really heard a peep out of out of that. Um, and Tom Cruise has admittedly been pretty busy, you know, doing that whole Mission Impossible thing, throwing himself off trains, whatever he's doing. But in the meanwhile, Russia says that it's going to shoot a movie in space this October, and it's planning to send an actor and director to the International Space Station to make the first feature film in space. And this actor and director, uh, uh, 36-year-old Yulia Perelsild, and director 37-year-old Klim Shimpenko, will undergo training involving uh, centrifuge tests and flights in zero gravity starting as early as June 1st. And this pre-flight training will be documented by one of Russia's main TV channels, who Channel One, which will also be involved in producing the film and with the intention of sending them to space in October. Hmm. So, so does Tom Cruise's movie have a date in which it's going to film in space? No, no dates. There hasn't really been a peep out of it uh, since last year when it was first announced. And um with Tom Cruise, he's still in production for Mission Possible 7. Uh, I don't think he'll have time to train and and yeah. go to space by October. HT, are you telling me that Russia has won this, this space race? I mean, unless Tom Cruise pulls off some insane miracle, which I wouldn't put past him. Uh, he, he might lose. You know, he, he's won many a foot race, but this is a space race. <laughs> this this is crazy because I didn't think that anybody would ever film a narrative film in space. 
never mm-hmm. and then when when this came up that you know tom cruise wanted to do it and you know there was like people like james cameron involved or and now it's like uh mcquarrie who's involved in that project anyways uh in the tom cruise one yeah uh, james cameron was involved he was the one who i think suggested to cruise that uh he <laughs> he shoot in space um, but, um, yeah, I, he's partnered with NASA, Elon Musk, SpaceX. I don't remember who else is involved. Uh, I think it's all really just crews right now. There aren't a lot of details yet on what, uh, that movie is. Yeah. I think it's Doug Lyman. Oh, Doug uh, Lyman. Is oh, that directing. is directing. Yeah, no, that is correct. Uh, that, that sounds right. I, I really thought that team would be the only team to actually do this, but it seems like Russia you know, wants to beat us to it. And uh, it sounds like they're going to do it. So, <laughs> so th- there goes that. Uh, l- let's talk about Knives Out 2. We've been talking about that recently on the podcast. It seems like every day they are just... I-, I have a feeling that they have this whole movie cast and every day they're like, let's leak out one of these casting things to the trades. But, uh, you know, I guess we should cover it here because it se- seems like it's going to be a fun ensemble cast. Ben, tell us about it. Yes, so two more people have added uh, have been added to the Knives Out 2 roster, uh, the first of which was uh, Janelle Monet, who you might remember from her performance in Moonlight. Uh, she was also in Hidden Figures, and she was in that movie Antebellum, uh, and she's also a, a, a very popular mu- a musician, singer, actor. She's a, a sort of a, a multi-talented, um, you know, uh, hyphenate uh sort of superstar in in the you know up and coming superstar so um it's very very exciting to see janelle monet join this cast and then also exciting is the fact that katherine hahn has joined the cast too and she obviously made a big splash earlier this year uh playing the character of agatha in uh, wandavision so um yeah we don't really know anything else about this movie other than these people are in it are in it but um there you have it Okay, Ben, make your make your pun. <laughs> well, yeah, when this first came out, I just said it's it was Agatha Christie all along, guys. Get it? Because yeah. Agatha all along <laughs> from the TV show WandaVision. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. This cast is shaping out to, to be like one of the best casts for a made for streaming movie ever. Yeah. I mean, I yeah. guess competitive with like Scorsese, right? Yeah, it's getting up there. I mean, you know, it, I, like you said, Peter, I, I feel like this is just the tip of the iceberg. I feel like there's going to be at least, you know, six more really top shelf actors that are going to be uh, involved in this to sort of fill out the ensemble. I love how Ryan Johnson casts his movies. Like it's, it's not just the prestige people that you expect. It's from like all, all reaches. Yeah. Uh, yeah. yeah. Okay. Uh, let's move on to another sequel. This one is coming toward to TV, to the sci-fi network it's uh they're making a sequel for bring it on but this time it's it's gonna be scary hd tell us about it yeah we're getting bring it on halloween at sci-fi next year sci-fi announced that bring it on halloween is part of its 2021 to 2022 slate it's gonna be an original movie premiering in 2022 uh it'll be written by dana schwartz and rebecca mckendry um, and is produced by Universal 1440 Entertainment. In this movie, it follows a uh, embattled cheerleading squad seeking the freedom of a creepy closed school gym to practice for regionals. But when members of the squad start to, to disappear, the cheerle- cheerleaders must unmask their assailant to save themselves. So it's a bring it on movie. It's a horror. <laughs> I just love how ridiculous this is. Yeah. And- 
it, it, it also makes me think, like, it, can we get to the point? Well, we're getting to the point that the Fast and the Furious movies are going to go to space, right? We've, made, we've reached the point where Bring It On is going to become a slasher. Series. Yeah, and this like, is the seventh. This is going to be the seventh Bring It On movie, by the way. There's been six Bring It On movies thus far, which is insane to think about. The first Bring It On movie from 2000 is like genuinely great. It starts Kirsten Dunst, Gabrielle Union. It has it touches on issues of racial inequality, and that's great and in a fun rom com. And then it's just uh, been diminishing returns with all of its direct-to-video <laughs> sequels. Uh, but, you know, maybe a horror, like, slasher element will, you know, bring some fun energy into, bring some blood back to this yeah. franchise. <laughs> see what you did there, HG. Yeah. I-, I was a big fan of that original Bring It On. It-, it really had, like, the same vibes as, like, Pitch Perfect when that came out. It's kind of like that same kind of realm. And uh, Peyton Reed directed that the guy that directed the ant-man movies so uh if if i feel like a lot of people have ridden off bring it on like (laughs) but but i think it's a movie worth checking out the sequels not so much i think i've only seen bring it on two which wasn't called bring it on two it was like bring Bring it on on again oh bring it on again and then there was bring it on three which was called something else and it was really them just redoing the same movie with different people different less talented people and less interesting stories yeah and less talented directors and yeah yeah, just diminishing returns but i'm just wondering what other franchise could we see this happen to or is bringing on the anomaly And, and and the funny thing is when this story first broke and it broke yesterday and i saw it in my timeline of bring it on halloween because this is uh, you know, this is a universal owned property. Uh, I was like, oh my God, are they going to be doing a, they bring it on Halloween mashup for sci-fi, you know, because the, the Halloween franchise, but no, that's not what, it, or that's as far as we know, that's not what it is. Mm, that's an like, interesting oh. idea right there, Peter. Yeah. Michael Myers comes for the cheerleaders. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. Maybe not, but part of me wants to see more ridiculous twists in in genre like this but i i can't in my right mind think of anything that would i mean you're suggesting you kind of already said it pitch perfect (laughs) oh yeah pitch perfect there you go so pitch perfect the horror movie or pitch perfect goes to space yeah or they go to space in space no one can hear you you scream (laughs) (laughs) i i liked when they were they were sony was developing at one point what was it? A Jump Street Men in Black mm-hmm. spinoff? Yep. That that could have been fun. Probably wouldn't have been good, but could have been All fun. of these have major early 2000s Freddy versus Jason vibes. <laughs> For sure. Okay, let's move on. Let's talk about Space Jam 2 or Space Jam, A New Legacy, whatever they're calling it. Uh, a lot of people have been asking, is Michael Jordan going to be in this movie? We now have our answer. Uh, you know, if I guess if you... Or if you consider that a spoiler, if he's in it or not, we, we, we you know, skip ahead like a couple minutes. But uh, Ben, what do we know? 
Yes, Don Cheadle, who is also going to be in this movie, he's playing the villain in Space Jam 2, was recently asked about the Michael Jordan question. Is Michael Jordan, the person who starred in the first Space Jam movie, going to reprise his role as himself in Space Jam 2? And Don Cheadle confirmed Michael Jordan is in the movie, but not in the way you'd expect it. So that is kind of interesting. Um I mean, as interesting as anything Space Jam 2 related can be. <laughs> but, what do you uh, think that means? Yeah, that's that's the sort of fascinating thing, right? Is like, uh, my guess is if I had to just, you know, go out on a limb here, I would say that Michael Jordan himself is not going to appear in the flesh in this movie because I don't think Michael Jordan in the year, you know, 2020, 2021 can be bothered to, uh, you know, go to warner brothers or like shoot something on a soundstage somewhere i just don't think he cares anymore um anybody who watched the last dance he seems very content in his massive mansions just you know sitting there with a cigar and having a drink here and there so um i don't also like how how much money could they offer him that would like be anything worth his while do you know compared to what he has in the bank probably yeah exactly i just think it would be way easier for them to send a microphone kit or something over and just have him do a couple lines for uh you know a a tiny cameo or something and the way that he might appear in this is because uh one of the big um i guess uh, plot lines of this movie is that uh lebron james who's starring in the film and his son get sucked into the warner brothers server verse which we talked about and it's sort of this amalgamation of all these different characters and and things that are uh, you know pieces of franchise ip that warner brothers owns so i would not be surprised if you know a digital version of michael jordan maybe pops by and then you have you know just like the actual guy's uh dialogue being read you know in his real voice or something but i just i don't envision seeing him in the flesh in this movie i never thought about this until you were explaining this ben but so in Correct me if I'm wrong. So in the events of the movie Space Jam, A New Legacy, did the movie Space Jam happen or were those real events? Because like it's in the computer verse or the Warner Brothers server verse. Right. Um, I would think that it's well, I guess maybe and you understand Michael what Jordan, I'm asking, right? I do understand. Yes, uh, I would. I guess the answer lies in whatever happens with this Michael Jordan cameo, right? Because like it could just be uh, a a version of Michael Jordan that uh, that doesn't remember the events or like you know the events of the first movie never happened or something, or it could just be him directly referencing those events, which would confirm then that this takes place in the same you know <laughs> the same Space Jam cinematic universe or something, and that this is. Uh, you know, I guess because sometimes filmmakers do that. They put a distinction of giving a movie a different subtitle instead of just calling it Space Jam 2, which implies a, a straight continuation, a linear, you know, narrative storyline. Maybe this is something that's just, you know, hey, let's take the the kernel of this idea and do it again. But the events of the first Space Jam never happened. I'm not sure. Yeah, I'm, I'm guessing it doesn't really matter. But what got me to think about this while you were you know reciting the the setup for this movie is the fact that this space jam website has existed since the 90s like mm-hmm. you've seen this website it looks like it's a relic i think they still have it up if you go to spacejam.com it, i think it is now the new website but there's a link to the old website and it's mm. it's been up for what is that like 30 years or 20 years? what are yeah, we? Long, long i can't time. i can't do math but um 
I was wondering, you know, is is that part of the plot that like Space Jam has kind of existed like, that that website has existed on the server that's like somewhere on the Warner Brothers lot and like this is actually I'm probably reading way too much into that. <laughs> it could be. And I I mean I know that like, you know, Lola Bunny has gone missing and she's living with the Amazonians from Wonder Woman or something. So like definitely there are characters that that are continuing on, but yeah, I'm, I'm curious to know just how far they're going to go in the direction of like whether or not those events really took place in the same uh, same world. Okay. Uh, speaking of cinematic universes, let's go over to Disney's cinematic universe with Marvel. Uh, I think we've mentioned this in the past when we've talked about the Marvel, uh, the, the Disney Plus Marvel TV shows. We've we've talked to some of the showrunners, and we've even mentioned that they actually aren't official showrunners. Like the Marvel is running things a little bit differently. And that's now, I guess, worrying some veteran TV writers. HD, do you, do you want to sum up what has been happening? Yeah, so this is a report from Variety, which talked to several TV writers and showrunners who are concerned with the way that Marvel Studios is doing things with their TV shows on Disney+, Plus, such as WandaVision and The Falcon and the Winter Soldier. Uh, Marvel has, up to this point, made a pointed avoidance of using the word showrunner to describe their uh, the writers of the show, such as one of Vision's Jack Schaefer, Falcon the Winter Soldier's Malcolm Spellman, instead calling them head writers. And this is very outside of the out of the traditional way of doing things in TV. Usually in TV, uh, it's the the showrunner who is the writer and executive producer, and kind of the buck stops there with them. They have the final say with with most everything that happens in the show tv is a writer's medium is the popular saying for, it's been around for however many decades and um writers and like veteran writers are worried now that marvel will disrupt the tv industry in the same way that they've disrupted the movie landscape and we've seen how they disrupted the movie landscape everything is cinematic universes and superhero movies now and they worry that by uh, using this model in which um, the head writer and the directors both have this sort of collaborative process, but the real showrunner is basically Kevin Feige. Um, this is all sort of conjecture and kind of talk on that TV right, like these TV writers' parts. By the way, there's no actual confirmed uh, statement from Marvel saying that Kevin Feige <laughs> is the showrunner. You know, like there's there's not there's no official statement or any say about like what. But but doing. is the executive producer on these shows? He's the executive producer on these shows. Uh, during the Wandavision press circuit, there was a lot of talk about how Kevin Feige conceived of the idea. Like this is Kevin Feige's idea. This is his baby, and that kind of thing, which is generally like the creator slash showrunner, uh, showrunner's job in the TV. Uh, industry so they're worried that this will disrupt the tv landscape and that they'll bring this sort of features approach that they've done with their tv shows to just tv in general and it will kind of bleed out and other tv shows networks will start doing this and um they they basically yeah they don't really like the idea they basically they're they're saying that marvel won't attract many top shelf writers or showrunners for their shows they're probably going to be getting a lot of quote-unquote mid-level writers who will work for them and go on to do other things but with this method they won't be uh uh ingratiating themselves to the the old hat tv veterans well do you think marvel in the first place wants to hire like <laughs> uh big creators who might want 
full, you know, more creative control. I feel like they want to hire mid and lower level, not, not to, you know, put people in categories, <laughs> but they probably want, like, it, that's what they do in the, the features aside from maybe like Sam Raimi coming yeah. up with Dr. Sh- I, I feel like most of the filmmakers, it seems to me that Disney's picking them. Not, not only, I mean, they're picking them because they're talented. I'm not like saying that, but they are at a stage in their career that, you know, they can control things a little bit. Yes, I definitely think that Marvel still wants to exert some level of control over all of their properties. It's the the Marvel formula, you know, which people have criticized us for saying that the Marvel formula exists, but it does and it works. Yeah. Like the Marvel yeah. formula exists, that's not necessarily a bad thing. It means that there's a there's both a standard for all of the shows and movies uh, that are under Marvel, but at the same time, they all kind of have to stick to that house style to to certain parameters within Marvel. And that's how Marvel works, and that's fine. So I think that, yeah, I think Marvel doesn't want to attract these for more veteran like or like big-name TV writers who probably want more creative control. Um, but I also don't think that it will bleed out into the rest of the TV industry. I think that the TV writers are maybe being a little concerned because we've already seen it happen with movies, but I don't think marvel is interested in like you know disrupting tv but who knows yeah i think marvel as a cinematic universe is just like such a different thing than is anywhere else on tv maybe i guess you could look at the what is that on cw the arrowverse yeah is that what they call it and and the person who runs that like greg berlanti is that the guy yes greg berlanti yeah i don't watch (laughs) so i apologize love simon you like him yeah, uh, but he he's the guy that he's the executive producer of all those shows, right? Yeah, yeah, he executive produces all of them. He's basically the the big uh, the brain behind all of the shows. But I guess he's also a writer, so mm-hmm. I guess. Hmm, Ben, what do you think about this? Um, I kind of think that uh, you know we've seen in the feature world where so many other people have tried to copy the Marvel formula and have failed that I don't really think any other networks or um, streamers are going to try to copy this approach because it just works for Marvel so well. Like, you know, Kevin Feige is like a singular figure in uh, really the history of entertainment as this producer <laughs> who's had this sort of massive vision and and been able to execute it at such a high level. I don't think that, especially after seeing, you know, the, the, uh, <laughs> the crashing and burning of things like the dark universe that other uh, networks are going to be like, okay, if people couldn't crack it in the world of features, let's try it in TV and try to copy Marvel this way. I just, I feel like Marvel is sort of its own thing at this point. Yeah. I think they might try, but they're going to fail. You know, what HT said about there being a Marvel formula. There definitely is a Marvel formula. I don't know if anybody can put their finger on it as much as they think they can. And especially the, the studios that have tried to, copy it have not copied the right parts of it in my opinion uh but i'm curious like do you think hd do you think this means like if they were going to do another season of one division which doesn't seem like a possibility at this point but maybe in the future there's a you know season two of one division does that mean that they don't need to bring back the the head writer of the first season for the second season yeah, they might even just go about picking a new head writer. And uh, if they're going, especially in a different direction, like I think Ben speculated this, that there won't be a second 
season in the traditional sense of WandaVision or like some of these shows, where, but they will rebrand it as the continuing adventures of, of Wanda, but with a different title, yeah. you know? It'd be like Wanda and Vision. Yeah, or Wanda. And it's, not, it's totally not or Wanda Or like the Vision Scarlet Witch or too. something, you know? Yeah. And, and so like they might do that and then like they'll pick a new head writer to go in this specific direction with this specific vision of this new part of the story. Yeah, I think you're right. Okay, let's move on to another part of uh, Disney, which includes Shang-Chi, which is a Marvel movie. Uh, Disney is shaking things up with the theatrical window. Ben, tell us about it. Yes. Uh, so first of all, Pierre, I'm not sure if you saw the um, Entertainment Weekly uh, sort of press um, barrage when the first trailer for this new Marvel movie came out, but they revealed that the pronunciation is actually Shang-Chi, which I had no idea. Oh, is it really? Shang-Chi? I've saying Shang-Chi for years. But yeah, so that's something that I feel like, you know, everyone that I've ever talked to about this movie has always called it Shang-Chi, but we got to gotta alter have, our pronunciation, pronunciation here. I have like comic book friend nerds that call it Shang-Chi. I know. So. I think it's just like, that's how you read it you know in a in an english uh a western yeah. from a western perspective but uh shang chi is evidently the correct pronunciation so shang chi um, okay yeah, got it we got to knock that into our skulls so uh, we don't make that mistake um okay so yes shang chi and the legend of the ten rings and uh free guy which is the ryan reynolds comedy are going to be in theaters for 45 days exclusively. That was the big news from yesterday's Disney uh, investor call where Bob Chapek, the CEO of Disney, announced that 45-day exclusive theatrical window for those two movies. So, you know, we've sort of been wondering what Disney's approach was going to be for a couple of these films. They've been taking uh, different approaches for different movies. Obviously, um, they have the they have Disney Plus, they have the premier access tier of Disney Plus to work with. Um, but now we know that these two films specifically are going to have a 45-day exclusive theatrical window. And this is the first time that Disney has, has um, sort of committed to this 45-day thing. Uh, they're following in the footsteps of Paramount because earlier this year, Paramount said that big movies like A Quiet Place Part Two and Top Gun Maverick will be streaming on Paramount Plus 45 days after they debut in theaters. 45 days is, uh, I think, exactly half of what the traditional uh, theatrical window used to be in the days before the pandemic. Um, it used to be 90 days. So now we're down to 45 days. And that just sort of, um, you know, like HT was saying, I think on yesterday or the day before uh, the podcast, it's just, you know, these these trends were happening. And then the, the pandemic sort of um, sped a lot of the stuff up and the theatrical uh, exclusivity window is one of those things that that people have had their eye on for a long time and is now uh, certainly in a state of flux. So um, yeah, 45 days in theaters. And then what happens after that? We don't know because Bob Chapek did not uh, specify. And it seems like Disney probably doesn't even know yet. They're probably just sort of holding off to see how the movie performs or how these both of these movies perform theatrically. And then they'll make a decision about whether or not they're going to drop them straight onto Disney plus, or maybe move them into that premier access tier where you have to pay a little bit extra on top of your subscription, or they could just open it up into, you know, putting them on some other PVOD platforms or something. And then they'll end up on Disney plus eventually, you know, weeks or months later or something. So uh, a lot of questions about what's going to happen after that. But we do know that if you want to see those movies, the only way you'll be able to do it, uh, at the very beginning, is uh, in theaters. See, I wonder if they're going to say before the release of those movies, because that expectation of when something is going to be available on Disney Plus or Disney Plus Premiere could mean the difference of someone deciding to go to the theater on opening weekend or someone being like, you know, I'll just wait a month and a half. 
Right. And I think it would be smart for them to not say beforehand, right? Because they yeah. want people to, anybody who might be on the fence to say, all right, well, I, I don't want to risk this, you know, taking several months to, to get to me on streaming. So I really want to see this. I want to be part of the conversation. I'm just going to go to a theater and see it. So luckily we're at a state right now where like, you know, coronavirus cases in the U.S. seem to be doing, you know, certainly much better than they were a couple months ago. Um, so it seemed, we seem to be doing a little bit better and people are slowly returning to movie theaters. So um, <laughs> hopefully we can keep this up and, and everybody will feel safe about going back to the movies in a big way, uh, starting when these movies come out, which is like uh, Free Guy comes out in August and Shang-Chi comes out uh, September 3rd. Yeah, I know you, you included this in your piece, but Scott Mendelson who is from Forbes, he did this, he wrote this tweet that said, honestly, if, and this is a big if, audiences are not willing to wait 90 days to see a movie, are still not willing to wait 45 days, this might not affect theatrical that much. The vast majority of movies, even leggy ones, do the majority of their business in the first 38 days of release. So the question, but I guess the problem here is like, Will the business still be as heavy on like, you know, day 38 if you know right. it's coming to your home day 45? Yeah, there's that. And then there's also just like what exactly is the, you know, what is people's appetites even for going back to the theater? We don't fully know that yet. You know, we've had some movies like Godzilla versus Kong perform pretty well theatrically. Um, but, you know, once once the pandemic is at a state where like more people are comfortably uh, are comfortable with calling it over and like we're we're closer back to that quote unquote normal uh life you know has it been so long that people aren't even really going to be interested in going back to the theatrical experience or you know to to a theater to see movies are they has it been like hammered out of their uh, repetition or are they going to be so desperate to get back into it that movies come back in this huge boom i mean there's tons of questions like on an industry level um that i think it's just a little too early to start speculating about that stuff I don't know about you guys, but I am so excited to get back to the theaters. But I'm I'm kind of waiting for something big that warrants seeing it on the big screen. Like I, you know, like you two, I I've been vaccinated and you know I've got my two shots. Of, it's been the weeks after, so I'm I'm fully vaccinated. And I I am personally, I feel like I would feel comfortable going because the I think CDC said something like point zero 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 seven percent chance of getting it at that point but um go, go check the cdc i i, I don't want to quote things and be wrong <laughs> uh you know i'm not a, a doctor or scientist blah 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 um but I, what about you guys like do, do you are you excited to get back I am. I, I'm like you waiting for the right opportunity. And for me, I think it's going to be F9. I think that's the movie that's going to get me back into theaters. I think, you know, if, if there was something, if F9 came, if F9 came out today, I would probably go to the theater today. I mean, you to have see a Fast it. and Furious quote in your Twitter bio, Ben. I'm pretty sure still. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I did at one point. I don't remember if I've taken that out. Uh, yeah, one of my my header photo, I think, is me in Dominic Toretto's uh, whatever the Charger <laughs> vehicle on the on the Universal lot. So yeah, um, I, I like those movies a lot, guys. <laughs> HD, what about you? Oh yeah, I'm excited to get back in the theaters. I am yeah fully vaccinated now. I have I'm pretty much 
ready. I'm. It's actually I have a couple of in person screenings next week, and I haven't gone to in the theaters for more than a year now. And now I have like three <laughs> next week, so yeah. I, it, I'm a little nervous, but I think that um, it's exciting and it's gonna be worth it. It's crazy. Uh, movie studios have been sending us like invites to screenings, but until now, it's been kind of smaller stuff, and they've. If you said no, they would send you the screener. But I think we're getting to the point that when you say no, they're not sending the screener. Mm. Uh, especially with these big movies like like a, a Fast and the Furious movie. Um, so, yeah, I think Fast 9 might be my first movie back. Well, technically, I saw Tenet in a rented out theater with a couple friends in Las Vegas in August, July, some sometime. Yeah, um, but I'm you, you know, a quiet place too, and in the heights, and in that both of which I think will be really good on the big screen. <sighs> yeah, I want to see in the heights. Well, I want to see both those. A quiet place one was one of my one of the best movie theater experiences of the last few years. Just being in that theater and people were afraid to eat popcorn to make noise. <laughs> oh no, it was just like I can't imagine seeing that at home, but. Yeah. Okay. Anyways, uh, let's move on uh, to actually I should mention that Jungle Cruise is coming to theaters and Disney premiere access in July. So that is a movie that uh, strangely Disney. Why do you think, Ben, that Disney didn't take the 45 day approach with Jungle Cruise? Yeah, that's a good question. Um, Maybe they're not as confident in it. Uh, The the 45 day thing is like it seems like um, a way for them to protect their investment as, as much as possible and make as much, you know, capitalize as much as they can on the theatrical side of it. Right. So if the movie doesn't get great reviews or doesn't have great word of mouth or something, and it's, they, they've committed to a 45 day theatrical theatrical thing by week two, if everybody's like, Oh, that movie sucks. Then uh, maybe they'll lose the interest of people who otherwise would pay a little bit extra on premier access, you know, week two or week three to, to check it out. So maybe they're, this is just complete speculation on my yeah. part. I don't know. Um, but maybe there's also on the earnings call yesterday, they, they kind of announced that the Disney plus numbers had kind of stalled a little bit. Mm-hmm. And I, I know the Disney stock took a little bit of a hit because of that. So I'm wondering maybe jungle cruises, to to get people to to to, to, get, to put money in the, the Disney Plus bucket, mm. yeah, somehow. could be, could be. Yeah. Okay, uh, one final story for today, and that is Netflix is making an Ultraman movie. I don't even know what Ultraman is. HD, you're going to tell us all about this. Well, I'm not actually that familiar with Ultraman either, but if you live in Japan, then you probably are because he's one of the biggest superheroes in Japan. He spawned basically the Tokusatsu genre and tokusatsu is sort of the live action superhero tv series that uh from which power rangers came from which common rider came and it's kind of that lo-fi low budget um big big person <laughs> stomping through through urban tokyo kind of genre is <laughs> she lo-fi low budget big person is what i imagine tom cruise says when he walks out of the theater seeing an ultraman movie <laughs> anyways that's what ultraman is and um netflix wants to make it into the next big global franchise with a cg animated ultraman movie it's going to be animated by industrial light and magic uh which is the vfx company founded by george lucas and um it's going to be directed by shannon Til- tyndall 
an animator on Leica movies such as Coraline and Kubo and the Two Strings in his feature directorial debut with the script co-written by Tyndall and Kubo screenwriter Mark Hames. And John Aoshima, from, who's um, worked on DuckTales and Gravity Falls, will also co-direct. And um, just a short synopsis, the movie will follow Ken Sato, a superstar basketball player, sorry, superstar baseball player who returns to Japan to become the latest hero to carry the mantle of Ultraman and um, defends the Kaiju Defense Force or something. And yeah, so this Ultraman was created in 1966 and it's still an ongoing, very popular franchise. I think there's an Ultraman statue in Tokyo somewhere. Um, It's uh, very beloved in Japan, but like... Like you, Peter, and very few people know of it outside of Japan. And um, I, I can't say that I'm that familiar with the tokusatsu, to, to, tokusatsu genre apart from Power Rangers. And I watched one season of Kamen Rider because I had a crush on the actor. <laughs> but um, it's it has the potential to be, you know, a fun global thing. I don't know if this if a CG animated movie will do it. Netflix has already actually been doing an ongoing CG animated TV series um, that of Ultraman. And now this an- this movie, which has concept art that actually looks kind of cool. It looks sort of um, art deco, retro future kind of style. Uh, but um, I don't know. It be- taking a, a character that has been known to be like a live action hero uh, and making a CG animated because from Japan and being like, this is anime just kind of feels like, oh yeah, Netflix trying to tap into the anime market for me. Um, But who knows, maybe Ultraman will become the next big thing. Um, Hideki Anno, who directed Shin Godzilla and is the creator of Neon Genesis Evangelion, one of the most beloved and claimed anime series of all time, is also making an Ultraman movie, a live action one called Shin Ultraman. So maybe it's the Ultramanaissance happening right now i'm looking at the wikipedia for ultraman and it claims that the brand generated 7.4 billion dollars in merchandising revenue from 1966 to 1987 which is the equivalent to 17 billion dollars adjusted for inflation and that that is only updated through 1987 and i'm like looking at this and if you click on like they have all the tv shows listed all the video games listed all the movies listed and you scroll like it just keep on scrolling keep on scrolling i would say it's probably 200 different things here so this is a big 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 thing in japan but i'm not sure if anybody over here knows about ultraman or is excited for ultraman yeah i mean it's it's yeah it's it's basically a beloved institution in japan that's how big it is i'm yeah i'm pretty sure there's a a a statue like a giant statue of ultraman that i passed by when i was in tokyo so that's how beloved it is yeah, I'm excited for ILM's involvement. Like you said, the style of it looks really cool. Uh, but we'll keep updated, and I'm sure they'll release a trailer and we can make a judgment based on that. Uh, but that brings us to the end of today's Slash Film Daily. You can find more of all of our work at SlashFilm.com. You can find this podcast on Apple, Google, Overcast, Spotify, all the popcorn podcast apps. Please feel free to send your feedback, questions, comments, concerns to us at Peter at SlashFilm.com. And please head on over to iTunes or Apple Podcasts give us a five-star review write write a sentence say like you know i love ht the most because she's great yeah. which it, it seems to be half the comments what the heck does people do people not like ben what what's going on here no, i don't care like send all, all of my love to ht <laughs> <laughs> okay. uh anyways uh thanks for listening everyone and we'll see you on monday <laughs>